Brother, can you pull up that title slide, please? Spectator or... Now, I don't know if you can see that real good. It, it's, it's not as clear in, in the light as it was when I was looking at it at home, but that's, that is a picture of a basketball court in an empty arena. Now, listen, I don't... I've got a secret to let you guys in on, okay? Are you guys ready for this? I was never going to be a professional basketball player. <laughs> Ever. All right? I know it's hard to believe. I mean, looking at my stature and, and, and everything like that, I mean, you're like, man, I bet that guy could have. No, no, I could not have. I mean, I didn't, even play, I didn't even play basketball in high school, at least not on the team. But I played basketball. Like, I played a lot of street ball back in the day. I, I, and that wasn't terrible. I was, I was pretty quick for, you know, for a short guy. And, you know, um, I, pretty decent at dribbling. And, and I had a decent outside shot. Now, don't ask me to play that now. I've not played in a long time. But I remember... I remember this time when we were seniors that the senior class not the, got to play against uh, the, uh, the junior class. And they all knew that I played, and so they like, hey, Nick, why don't you come play with us? Awesome. And <laughs> I remember um, one of my best friends, his name was Davey Owen, lives in Radcliffe, Kentucky now. He was bringing the ball up the court. And I don't know, like I've, I've played ball with him a bunch, and I've never, I'd never ever like gotten one over on him because he was way better at it than I was. And for just a second, maybe he was being in front of the crowd, he kind of looked. I saw that he was distracted, like, man, I could steal the ball. And I lunged, I grabbed the ball, and I took off. I mean, I was making a hot break for the, like, down the court. I, was, I mean, because we were all the way down their, their end of the court. I'm going down as hard as I can. I can hear. You know, you know what it's like if you're going down the court? You can almost feel everybody running up behind you, and you the whole crowd's around me. And I went up for a layup, and it was terrible. <laughs> I missed. But it was really cool. Because for a while, I was no longer a spectator. You know what I mean? Talk a little bit about that. If you have your Bibles this morning, uh, we're going to be in the book of Hebrews, chapter 3. We're going to begin in verse 12. It should be on the screen. If you can, you're willing, you're able, would you please stand for the reading of the word? Everybody ready? Say amen. All right. Take care, brethren, that there not be any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God. 
But encourage one another day after day, as long as it is still called today, so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ. And if we hold fast to the beginning of our assurance, firm until the end, and I'm going to read one more verse. While it is said, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as when they provoke me. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, thank you, God, for your word. God, thank you so much that your word still speaks to us. That, Lord, it's still so relevant. That, Lord, that your, your word just transcends time. God, it, it moves and, and it calls us out. Lord, it, it shines light into the darkness. It, it shines light into our darkness, God. It, sh it shines light into our hearts, God. And, Lord, you make us aware of times, Lord, that, God, when you've asked us to partake, and, Lord, we just spectated. Father, I pray that, Lord, you would help me now, God, that you would lead me, Lord, that you'd give me the words to say. Lord, you would help me. Give this message as you would give it. Open my mouth when it needs to be open and close it when it needs to be closed. Lord, let the hearers hear. And let us all have trust and obey. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Whew. And listen... I heard a preacher say this today, and, and, I've, and I, I hit on this a lot um, because I think it's important. Um, I love, like, when we, when we preach, typically we, we, we just take little sections of Scripture out, and, and sometimes if, if you're not careful when you take those little sections of Scripture out, then you'll miss the, the entire message of what you've been reading because, well, I mean, there's just little sections, Right? See, back then, when they would have had, like the early church, when they would have had church service, per se, and like Paul, they would have got a letter, I don't know if Paul wrote Hebrews, some scholars think he do, but let's say the writer of Hebrews, when they would have got this letter, they would have invited everybody to the end, and they wouldn't have read just a section of this letter and then preached about it for a while, little bit. They would have read the entire book, the entire letter at one time. And so I, I want you to understand the underlying theme that's behind this letter, the Jewish Christians at that time, the, 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 the Jewish Christians that had converted to Christ, they were willing to give up. They were being persecuted. They were, they were willing to turn back to Judaism. And so the writer of Hebrews is like telling them, hey, listen, don't stop. Don't turn back. Christ is better than anything we've ever had. It's better than the law, everything like that. And we get to this section in chapter 3. And we, we see this beginning in verse 12. My Bible entitles it, it's, it's like it's the peril of unbelief. 
And I, I want you to get to this, I want you to get a, a, a definition in your mind because the, the struggle with our culture today is we recognize unbelief with just our minds. Like, as long as I agree with it, then I believe it, right? As long as it's, as long as my mind can reason out the, the, the thing that you're saying, as long as I'm saying I agree with that, then I believe. But that's not really the whole definition in a sense. Unbelief is also equated with trust. It's equated with action. It's equated with what, you know, how you're going to react to something, how you're going to act about on something. It's not just, I'll say it here. It, it, has to, it has to travel from here to here and then eventually to go out and to the way we react to everything. So unbelief can lead, can lead us in a very bad place because there's different ways of unbelief. And I'm not going to live here the, the whole time. I just want you to get that in your mind. Verse 12, it says, it says this, it says, take care, brethren. Hey, listen, he's talking to the church. He, he's, he's talking to his fellow family, right? Hey, family, listen, take care, all right? I want you to see. I need. I need you to get this. I. I, I don't want you to, to to haphazardly think about something like this. Or well, it's really not that important. No, listen. Take care. I need you to see this. That there ain't any one of you evil, unbelieving. It's it's unbelieving heart that falls away from God. And you've got to get this. It's not just this ideal that. I'm walking through here, and I trip, and I fall. That's not the kind of falling away it's talking about. It's not talking about an accident. It's not talking about, man, I messed up or something like this. No, it's talking about intentional turning away from God. If you look at, I, I love our translations, but if you look at this Greek word that, that falls away, it would have been more accurately translated, hey, I'm intentionally turned away from you, God, because I believe most of what you say, but this thing right here that you say about my life, I don't really believe it. This ability for me to be, for me to be uh, delivered from, from all my sin, I don't really believe it. Your ability to save my family, I don't know if I really believe it. Your ability to change my heart, I don't know if I really believe it. Because if you don't believe it, then you will intentionally turn away from it. You'll intentionally say, well, I can agree with this, but I'm not agreeing with all that. And the reality is, if we don't take all of this, And you can throw it all, all out. It's just the truth. Because what we'll find ourselves doing is compromising. 
I mean, it sounds very harsh when you say it, when you first say it, but then you say, well, I'm compromising. Wait a minute. Because if you're compromising, you're saying you're right and God's not. We cannot call God a liar. Amen? We can't. It becomes this ideal that he's saying, I need you to take care. I need you to like really pay attention to your heart. I need you to, I need you to, to, to recognize the things that are, that are happening inside of you because it's, it's evil to, to have this unbelieving heart. Because you're falling away not from, not from a dead God. You're not falling away from a statue. You're not falling away from an idol. You're falling away. You're turning away from a living God. The living God. But there's this... You know, it wasn't that long ago that we were, we weren't meeting like this. Amen? Remember, anybody remember that? You know, just a few short years ago, church wasn't meeting. Have, at best, you'd have an online video. Brother Brandon do his best to you know, maybe a go Facebook Live or something like that or, 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 or send something out for everybody. And you couldn't meet. We were, we were isolated. We were isolated from one another. We were isolated from the world. And there's this, ama- there's this amazing and I say amazing because it's it's really it works. By the way, if you you want to you want to find yourself in unbelief, let the enemy do exactly that, isolate you. You want to find yourself not believing what God's promises for you in your life. You want to find yourself discouraged. Let God let, just just isolate yourself. I don't really need to go to church. Yeah, you do. <laughs> Can I tell you that we weren't created to walk this walk alone? We weren't. You cannot walk this walk alone. I don't know if any of you realize how important you are. I texted Nick last night. You know, there, there's quiz fest, and um, I said, man, you keep sowing in those kids, you're making internal differences. And, and, and Which, by the way, and praise God for you guys doing quizzing and all that. You, you guys should, I'm serious, okay? Quizzing is incredibly important. 
Why? Because you're putting God's word in, in the heart of these teens. And, and, and not only are you making an internal difference in them, you're potentially making inter- internal differences for generations. Generations. Not, it's because it's, it's way more important than what just happens now, what happens in the future and the future and their kids and their kids. Because, listen, you could see chains broken. You could see lives changed and everything else. And, you, and not, just, not just for the kids that are here, but the kids that they could potentially impact when they're at school and everywhere else. Praise God for that, okay? Because they have God's word in their hearts. I've seen it. My kids quiz, I know. I've seen it. I've seen my kids outright call out bad, bad, bad preaching before because they're like, hey, the Bible will not say that. <laughs> put, put just preachers on, on edge sometimes, I'm just saying. But beyond that, the eternal differences that you make, and not just for kids, but for each other, Your ability to, to encourage people. You're, you have this God-given ability, and it's so good to see you. Someone, listen, someone just walks up and shakes my hand and smiles at me. It just makes me feel better. Give me a hug, man. I, I love, I'm, I'm a hugger. I'm just being honest. Like, I, I love that. But sometimes, though, if something you guys will figure out quickly about me, it's usually not my, my mouth that needs deliverance, it's my face. Okay? <laughs> Don't pay attention to her right now, okay? <laughs> Sorry. But, but, the, but that's the truth. And so when I walk in, when I, I have walked into, into the, to the church before, and people that know me, they can see it written all over my face. They see that I'm having a bad day. They see that I'm having a bad week or whatever. And they look and they say, hey, Nick, what's wrong? Do you know how bad I needed somebody to just say, hey, what's wrong? And that might sound silly. But it's just a simple, it's this ideal that we can minister to one another. You can, you can listen to me, and if you listen and you know what's going on in my life, you can pray for me. And I can pray for you. Amen. We can do it right then. I heard, this said, I heard this saying one time, it said, you know, some of the most important ministry that ever happens inside of a church is not the preaching. It's what happens 15 minutes before the preaching and about 30 minutes after because there's this time that we get to come together, we get to love on one another, listen to one another, pray for one another, and that is when we actually begin to bond as a family and we get to take people from the enemy being the loudest voice in their life to the Spirit of God giving life to them and breathing life into them and speaking goodness to them. And suddenly we're no longer spectators, by the way, because sometimes I know, I know, and I'm not, I'm not bashing nobody, I'm not beating nobody up. Some people want to be better Christians. They want to be in the game. They want to start being participators more than they are, and they don't know how. Well, listen, this place right here Look around you. Every look around you. Look at the person next to you right now. This place right here 
should be the place where you get to practice being a participator and not just a spectator because you will be good at it in here. Why? Literally what everybody else in here came for too. <laughs> we all come here for the same thing, to hear from God and his word. Verse 13 says, encourage one another next week. Is that what it says? Pull up 13 again. Maybe once a month. No. It says encourage one another day after day. Church, it's literally a command. <laughs> We're to encourage one another day after day. And then he goes on to say, as long as it is today, and what he's really saying, hey, listen, today is the day of salvation. Today is that day so that, and, and so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. If you walked out of here, if you walked out of here right now and there was this big giant building that said, hey, all the sinful stuff is right here. If you knew anything about being a Christian, you would avoid that building, right? Amen? But the reality is that's not the way that the, that the enemy comes at us. The enemy does not come with a big giant sign and says, hey, I'm about to deceive you. He doesn't come with any of that. He comes with deceitfulness. He comes with little bitty steps, and every little bit of inch you give him, he tries to take a mile. And it becomes deceitfulness, and what happens is we harden our hearts one inch at a time. It's that old adage, like if you want to, Boil a frog and throw a frog in there in cold water. Frog will never jump out. Because it just starts to heat up gradually and never notices it until it's too late. But then he says, For we become partakers of Christ. We hold fast to the beginning of our assurance, firm until the end. Church, we've got to move from being spectators to partakers. Hold fast to what we hold fast to what we got from the beginning. And I, I mean just like Really grab a hold of it. I, I, I grew up on the lake. Um, I didn't grow up in church, right? And I'll never forget the first time I, I, I learned to, to wakeboard. Have you guys ever seen anybody ride a wakeboard? Amen, yes. Well, when you ride a wakeboard, if you've never done it, when you first grab a hold 
of that rope. And you, you've got about five seconds where it's like the fight of your life to hold on to that rope. Why? Because there's this incredible amount of resistance from the water as you just start to try to stand up. And I remember, like, the first time I ever got up, I, I, I didn't think I was ever going to do it because, like, the first time the boat took off, it just jerked the rope right out of my hand. I mean, I couldn't hold on to it for nothing. I'd done it again, jerked the rope right out of my hand. And then my uncle come by, and he looked at me, he said, he said, if you quit holding on to that rope like a little girl, you'd get up. And then I, made, I got mad. <laughs> And I held on to it. I wasn't going to let go if he jerked my arms off. Sorry. <laughs> but the second, but, but, but I got up. The boat took off, and I said, just go. And I got up, and there I was just gliding across the water. It was the coolest thing ever. I don't think I'd ever held on to a rope that tight in all my life. If we don't hold on to what Christ has given us as tight as we can, I have some people that come to me all the time like, Nick, do you, do you think we could, you think you could lose your salvation? And sometimes I'll say, you know, I don't think you can lose it. I really don't. I think you can willingly give it away, though. You can let go of it. And I know there's lots of warnings all throughout Scripture about hardening our own hearts. Because, you see, these, these believers, I mean, as you get this, they're believers. They're beginning to harden their hearts and turn away. And it's not this dramatic thing like, oh, man, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good. No, it's, it's the little things that eventually turn into the big. The writer of Hebrews is encouraging them. He's giving them a warning, but he's beginning to encourage them. And it really where I want, I want you to get this as a church body. That it, it is our call to encourage one another to, to be partakers in Christ and not just be a spectator we can't just come can't just come in here and just spectate we can be partakers we can get in the game even if it looks ugly like my layup did nobody's going to expect you to be perfect at it
There's going to be a whole lot of times you're going to throw a shot up and it's going to score every single time. Man, they're excited about my preaching, I'm telling you. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> Need to hear that from y'all. Out, out woo them. Come on. <laughs> Verse 15, it's not up there. I want to end with this. And it, it says, he's quoting Old Testament, by the way, when he says this. Says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as when they provoke me. And really what he's talking about is he had delivered the people out of Egypt he delivered them out of bondage, out of slavery. And then he was taking them to the promised land. And they had seen God do all these miraculous things and all these and, and God told them to go and take this land. And they get there and they're like, oh, there's these big giants there. There's all these things. We'll be overcome. We'll be overtaken. And God's like, no, listen, it's, it's yours. I'm giving it to you. And, and they refuse to believe, and God sends them out into the wilderness. I, I want you to get this, church. It's so easy. See, they were going to a physical promised land. But what we've been, what we've been offered is so much better. They were following Moses, and we have Jesus. It's so easy, though, to find ourselves in a place of unbelief. Because the moment you start finding yourself in unbelief, you'll start suddenly become a spectator. By the way, if you watch any sport long enough and you're not a partaker in that sport, you'll think, man, that guy's terrible at that. Do you see that dumb decision he made? And it won't take you long before you start bashing everybody that's a partaker. He's telling us, hey, let's get off the sidelines. 